This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yes. Yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. It's questions from the audience. Ladies and gentlemen, look, it's Gangster Pete over there. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? The ladies love you, Gangster Pete. The gentlemen love you, Gangster Pete. And I love doing the podcast with you. It's questions from the audience, but it's really questions slash comments slash opinions slash erotic stories. Send them in. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Anytime you have a question, anytime you have a comment, anytime you have an opinion, anytime you have an erotic story, Send them in for the podcast, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Now, last week, I want to explain to people what happened. Gangster Pete and I recorded one. I think we did one after a sound story interview. That's right. And we only did like a 45-minute one because I felt badly because you'd been in here all, all day with the sound story. And then um, and I didn't want to keep you for a standard question from the audience, QFDA. And so I said, you know what, I'll do a second one. And I was going to do a second one. Uh, but then you were going out of town. I think you left on Thursday to go to Chi Town Stand Up. That's right. And then I was I, I had a flight to Las Vegas right after the show on Friday, and so I didn't wind up doing it. So I apologize. I don't know how many people really were all that upset about it or concerned about it, but I want to explain it because I said I was going to do something and I didn't do it, and I don't like that. But that's what happened. Um, so Gangster Pete, had I recorded one on my own, would you have been able to upload it to our server remotely while you were in Chi Town stand up? If somebody sent me the MP3, I could have. Right. Well, I would have. I would have done it from. My I wouldn't house have been on... able to edit it. Right. But it yeah, just been I, free I, for all. I could have posted it. Okay. So anyway, I didn't wind up uh, doing two last week, um, but we are back this week, and uh, I've actually went through and ordered the questions, so I filtered some out, and uh, and I think that's better for the podcast, uh, so I don't get on. Like there was one there. It was a. It was like asking about Jordan Speed. It was a good question. It was a good golf question, but it required listening to an interview he recently did. I haven't heard the interview. I don't. Did you listen to the podcast interview he did? I did not. And then what we think is wrong with him, how many majors we think he's going to win, those kinds of things. I, listen, I'm interested in it, but I don't know how many other people are interested in it. And so in an attempt to broadcast via podcast, i.e. cast a wide net, uh, we will uh, eliminate those uh, and uh, and start with things like this, like an erotic story from a female. Oh, nice! Like an erotic story from female? a female. Yeah, I I, uh, I I'm familiar with her, so I know she's real. Um, and it's not necessarily her own experience, but she's answering. That's what happens on this podcast. We pose questions, and then listeners then answer the questions, sometimes with their own anecdotes. And then it leads to like a family tree of topics going forward. And that's what's happened here. I guess we were talking about a few weeks ago how it seems that when women mess around with women at a younger age, oftentimes it's their friends. Yeah. 
And my observation was, or at least I guess my theory was, that I can't imagine if a guy was going to mess around with another guy (laughs) that he'd be like, you know, watching the football game on a weekend and going, you know what? Why don't I jerk you off, bro? (laughs) I can't imagine it. Touchdown. Kiss me. (laughs) Yeah. It just isn't the way. Now, maybe that's going on. I, I sometimes say... You know, for for example, as I, I think I've said before, the unofficial title of the podcast, every time, it's like what you tell about Willis, every episode has to have it, uh, that at our prom at St. Louis U High, two beautiful women started dancing with each other, like really sexually, and the whole place stopped. <laughs> now, if that were to go on, I don't think many people would even pay that much attention. It's like a Saturday night. It's standard stuff. But in 1994, it stopped the place, and it was incredible. Are we at a point now, and I don't know, that if two guys start doing that, not that everybody's stopping going, this is so hot, but that people don't even notice. I don't know how things have progressed. So that is why I pose the question. But this lass who wants to go by not bikini model Brittany or caller Ellen has written in this. As a bona fide listener of all things TMA slash Inside STL, I wanted to let you know that there is at least one other gal listener other than your wife And I had a response to your question regarding comfort levels slash reason it seems to be a girl and her friend that make up the two F's in the less popular MFF. In my younger experience, it was friends because when you find yourself in that situation, it's typically after a night out with drinks and possibly other inhibitors and you're already with said females. In this case, the playing field is set and less likely for an outside third party to join in. I will say, though, as an older 35 plus now wife. If my husband and I ever went down that road, I would definitely find a stranger at this point in life. I find I have less actual friends. It would not want to muddy those waters. Hope this adds some perspective. Love the show and the podcast. That's from not bikini model, Brittany or caller Ellen. That makes perfect sense. sense. hundred percent, hundred percent. All makes sense. It makes sense in like your teens and twenties. And now I forgot that paragraph. Um, as she sent this in, I guess a week ago, a week plus ago, um, that, uh, yeah, the later in life thing. Now here's something, and I, this could, this is kind of, this is the topic family tree thing I'm talking about. And, and Pete, I guess you, this is one of those times where you may be able to speak to it. I, I cannot speak to it. Um, the incestuous dating pool in St. Louis. Right. And by that, I mean, um, if you are in your, probably even in your 20s, but certainly in your 30s or 40s, and you're single and actively dating in St. Louis, I would imagine it would be, even though it's an area of three plus million people, I would imagine it would be very difficult for you as a single gentleman to meet up with somebody and both kind of be into each other, therefore having similar interests slash backgrounds, as is usually what attracts people, and not have a mutual friend. Yeah. Which is odd to me in a city of three million people. But that is what my theory would be. Now, I don't know this, but I've heard I've heard tell from some of uh, peers who are in the game. I mean, I didn't really have that issue because I have a lot of different friends from different areas that different friends, like, met through college and high school and all kinds of stuff. So I can't like with my group of friends, like it wasn't like girls that were dating multiple of us ever. 
But uh, I'm talking about like a mutual friend. Like you wouldn't be able to like just like somebody is like. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be from St. Louis, most likely. It's like, right. oh, I moved here. I went to Northwestern and now I'm working at, you know, yeah, Mercy. That's, that's definitely more common here. Right. Sure. And, and listen, maybe some people like it, maybe some people don't. But I mean, from an an anonymity standpoint and finding somebody, it would just, I would imagine, be like, oh, yeah, this girl, I know her. She used to go out with her. She used to be married to that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's, which is just not, you know, I mean, certainly it can happen in other cities, top 25 markets, St. Louis certainly being on the smaller end of the top 25 markets and certainly more provincial, relatively speaking. But um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's not something that uh, I, I just in general, as I uh, have said before, have been mostly in relationships. So I've never really been dating anyway. I guess a little here and there, but not a whole lot. So to even go through that process. And is it and I know, you know, you may not want to get into it, so feel free to abstain. <laughs> and nobody's. But like I would imagine it's basically, especially now during the pandemic, it's all app, you know, I mean, there's not really any dating going on right, right now at all. Pre-pandemic, was it mainly app? It just depends on who you are. Like, yeah. I'm more of a friend of a friend type person than well, app thing. Yeah. I'll mess around with the app, and usually if I get a hit, I won't even say anything. I just kind of like to see what I can get. Oh, yeah, just for the hell of it? Yeah, I just, guess that's got to be kind of sporting. Yeah, it's just if I'm bored, I'll see, what, see what's happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, with regard to uh, not bikini model Brittany or caller Ellen's email, I understand it. I agree with it. Yeah, I just, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to fantasize that I could enjoy myself in MFF at this point. And uh, I think it's just the point I'm just conning myself into getting my synapses to fire. But I just wouldn't want it to be somebody like we both knew. I really wouldn't be that. I had one time, Gangster Pete, 20 years ago, in which, and and, and really, I mean, I, I should appreciate it. I should have appreciated it more at the time. Um... My significant other at the time uh, said, you know what? Let's have a threesome. Okay. Yeah. Great. And it was with somebody I had not met, but she worked with. And I guess they really had a good rapport. And, you know, I I don't want to go into specifics of, you know, for purpose of anonymity again, but, uh, we were all going out. That was the plan. And I just did not find the other lass attractive. Bad beat. I mean, just, and then, and then I like shut down and I'm just, I look back on it. And it's like, I should have just like, you know, cause, cause again, when you're, what, how old was I? 23. So it was more than 20 years ago. It might've been 22 actually. Um, and you just assume it's like what Dan Marino says about the Super Bowl. You just assume you're going to get to play in the Super Bowl more <laughs> times. And now you look back and you go, Oh, that was, you know, that was one of few that we had to seize the moment. I mean, I can't change the fact that I didn't, I mean, didn't find her attractive. And I, didn't, I, I mean, if I'm not into it, I can't, I can't do it. I don't I want, know. I don't want to. Yeah. It's, I, I'm taking myself back. It's just like, I haven't, I have not had that scenario. And, and I look back on it and it's like, that's weird that it even happened, especially then. I mean, you're talking late nineties, so it wasn't too common relative to now. And I didn't really, but I, but it was, I remember, I remember meeting up and I'm just like, Oh fuck. You know, that's why I'm always apprehensive when someone tries to set me up. I'm just like, 
all right, let me let me see. And it's just like, because I know if I'm not into it, I'm not going to be into yeah. it. I don't want to yeah, disappoint yeah, yeah, the friends. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, like I they they bring it up, and I just almost like shut it down, like you said. And I feel bad, and they're like, "Well, don't you want to meet somebody?" I'm like, "I do, but I don't want to disappoint you, upset my well, friend." Now, what happens here? Do you say, "Can I see a picture?" Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. And, then, and so, what but do that, you do? That that leads to an awkward situation too, because yeah. if you're not interested based off the picture, it's just like, "How do I get out of this?" Yeah. And so, like, I just I won't. I just stop talking until they stop talking to me. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's probably uh, that's that's a tough spot. So that's like a double layered tough spot situation. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, so I kind of think back on that, and I go, "Why didn't I just like go? Okay, fine, whatever. I'm not. I, I won't participate." But then that'd be weird if I'm like, "Okay, now, now we're now we're all here." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'll be over here in the corner," <laughs> you know. And you're I, not, might, I it, might change my mind. Uh, and tag yeah, in. I don't know. But God, it was just so. Yeah, I'm, and then I kind of look back on the girl that I was with. I'm kind of like, "What were you doing?" She's a good-looking girl, you know? But I think it was a personality attraction thing. Right. And, uh, hey, God bless. But I look back on it, because now I think I'd be more apt to be personality attracted. But at that time, early 20s, like super early 20s, it wasn't. And I'm just like, oh, God. And yeah, fuck. I don't know. I'm mad at myself, even though I do know in the circumstance I was not... Uh, I was not feeling it. Uh, hey, uh, I want to thank our sponsors who make this po possible and all the listeners who send in all these emails. We've got so many that now we're at a point where we can filter through them. Uh, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Any topic is is welcome. Uh, TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Ryan Kelly, our studio sponsor here. I refinance through him. I recommend him to our audience in a major way. If you're going to be buying a home, get pre-approved. Go to TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Ryan Kelly and it can be quick, fast, and in a hurry. Um, and I'm going to tell a little anecdote. And I don't even know if Ryan knows that this is going to be talked about publicly, but I think it just will kind of tell you the kind of person he is. Um, and I guess, you know, a lot of companies now do this, even though I, this isn't a marketing thing. This is Ryan just being himself in a private text exchange with one other person. Uh, Pete, I think we talked about it on the air on Friday. We have the listener whose son... Um, three-month-old son started chemotherapy right and he's on the tma fan page and um we started getting behind the gofundme campaign and uh once again our listeners have stepped up i th i haven't checked it in a day or two but last i checked it, it was like up to twenty-three thousand. so the audience is just it truly is a group of incredible people it really is um and ryan heard about it and he texted me he said hey I want to help out too. Can you put me in touch with uh, Jake? It's the gentleman's name. And so I'm in this group text with Ryan and Jake now and the stuff that Ryan is doing. And it's, 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 you know, Ryan didn't know I was going to talk about this. Um, and it's not just a case of, Hey, I'm going to donate whatever, which of course would be an incredible gesture, but what he's doing to help the situation. Um, it's just, and then Jake separately texted me, he goes, you're right. This guy really is the real deal. He just is. Um, and I, and I think that the philosophy behind it for Ryan, cause he talked about it when he was a guest on the podcast is, you know, Ryan didn't, and listen, plenty of people inherit money and I don't fault them for that at all. I think that's kind of like an invoke thing to do is shit on somebody who inherited money. A lot of the people I know who did inherit money are really, you know, if anything, they're, I don't know what the right way they, they don't want people to know about it. Uh, you know, so, but Ryan did not. And Ryan built his business from nowhere, and then he now has, uh, you know, obviously a huge company that is growing across the country. 
And he feels, uh, and I think he was talked to um, by some people who have done well for themselves, that he has an obligation to give back. That's that's his that he's been he's been given uh, a great opportunity, and therefore he wants to give back and help the cause. And so that's why he does it. And he does it. It's not a bullshit thing. I mean, he's climbing mountains. I would never climb mountains. I just I I wouldn't. Uh, he's climbing mountains four mountains in four days. And here is a situation, and people go, "Well, that's marketing. That's smart. That's and you can say that." still raised a hell of a lot of money for five charities, but here's a case where this is not marketing. This is, this is, this is three people in a text exchange while a guy is watching his son go through chemotherapy at three months old. That is the kind of person Ryan Kelly is. And, um, you know, for some people that's for me, it's whoever's going to save me the most money. And as long as I know that the person's a quality person, but I'm telling you, this person goes above and beyond. He is the home loan expert, Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert.com. Ryan Kelly met with James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency when James was thinking about advertising on this podcast. And Ryan told him, it's one of the best performing advertising spends I make. They have a loyal audience. The audience, contrary to what you hear on the phone lines, is usually professional. And therefore, they are a great client to have. And James started advertising. And here we are now, three and a half years, not three and a half years, three years and a half a month into this podcast. And he has been with us from the beginning. 314-961-4800 is his name. James Carlton of State Farm Insurance Agency in Webster Groves is my insurance agent. I made the switch, and I recommend you do as well. He is online at carltoninsurance.net. What separates him from everybody else? Insurance agents. I think most people go, oh, I have a friend who does insurance. I'm just with him. That's fine. For me, I was playing golf with my dad a couple years ago. I have no idea why he said this, but he told me, couple of things that were impactful regarding my own personal, um, I don't know, management, so to speak. And I don't know why he brought it up. Just kind of out of nowhere. It was just kind of like an advice moment. It wasn't even like, Hey, I need to tell you. It was just, you know, just kind of on his own. And I remember coming home and going, yeah, I gotta, I gotta do what's best for my family. And James Carlton is what's best for my family, which it might sound like an overstatement for an advertisement, but it's not, it's really, it, listen, and it's paid off because he is on top of it and it's his staff. They're, they're just, they're on top of it. And you have to have that when you're talking about your home life insurance, auto insurance, whatever you're getting insured to have a company, the caliber of James Carlton, that's what you want. It's worth making sure you have at least had a conversation. You will be thrilled that you did. I promise you that 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and arm, call James Carlton state farm. And then it all ties together. James Carlton introduced me to Jim Rogers. Jim Rogers of Restoration One of Central St. Louis. And when my basement flooded, I went to Jim Rogers of Restoration One of Central St. Louis. And I was still on my packing, heading back from, from spring training when um, I believe it was our uh, my in-laws who were over at the house to check on it. And they said, you guys have uh, water in your basement. Something's going on with all this rain. And before we even got I landed, I go down to my basement, there's Jim Rogers working on it. That's the kind of operation he runs. Restoration one of CentralStLouis.com. Restoration, the number one of CentralStLouis.com. Jim Rogers, Restoration One of Central St. Louis. All right, we got more, Gangster Pete. Oh, yeah, we got, and this one is directed to you. Oh, wow. QFTA question for Gangster Pete. Question for Pete. Sup, Smoke. Sup. I want to hear about your experience getting an MBA. I've been working after college for about five years now not really seeing that much promising career growth and COVID has really given me some extra time to evaluate if I should go that route or not. 
I know every person's situation is different, and even you went a different career route after getting your master's. Not a dig. I think producing TMA would be sick. On the other hand, college degrees are getting less and less necessary slash relevant for people to have a good life slash career because they can acquire skills slash talents many other ways. I guess my question is, do you think it's still worth the 100-plus hours studying for entrance exams, multiple years of taking classes, and stupid amounts of tuition money for an MBA in the year 2020 and beyond. Gangster Pete, a question for you. I'm kind of anxious to hear what your opinion is on this. I mean, all I can speak to is my personal experience. Uh, at the time that I went back to get my MBA, I was teaching business classes, and my my students kind of inspired me. Like, they were we were doing projects, and it was, it was so fun how creative they were that I was like, man, I, I, need, I need to go back. Because the first time I went to school... Uh, college, I was more interested in other things. I had a very, very, very good time. Nice. So, uh, I decided to do it. I applied for the exec MBA program. So, uh, it was some online and then some you had to be on campus for. And so it was only 30 people got in. It was executives from mostly St. Louis and Kansas city, but all over the country. And, uh, it was an awesome experience. Like I, I worked my tail off. And it was, it was so fun because it was like a second chance at going through business school and taking all the classes. And my experience personally was awesome. Everyone in my class was super cool. I'm still friends with a lot of the people today. Uh, we still hang out, meet up in zoo games, all kinds of things. Uh, so I personally had an awesome experience and I enjoyed doing school the right way the second time through. So uh, if that is what you're looking for. I highly recommend it. Now, as far as is it going to help you get a job, like right now, I can see a lot of instances where it kind of hurts you to be overqualified because there's so many candidates for those jobs. Yeah. Like they, they talk about how there's all these job openings, but a lot of those aren't for people with the higher education right now. So I don't know about all that, but it definitely was a great thing for me because it just proved to myself that I had what it took to hunt. Like most of the people in my class, my class were like actually like high level executives at like major corporations. Really? Yeah. And I, I more than held my own with them and it just proved to me that I can do anything. So for me personally, it was, it was a great experience and I am so happy I did it. That's awesome to hear. That's great yeah. to hear. I would look, I would go to school right now. I was, th- I don't even know why I was thinking about it the other day. And I don't know why I, because it's not like I really partied that hard, you know, in comparison to most people, especially like at my frat. Um, I was just so focused on, I got to get into journalism school and that's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to do something in sports casting that I'm not going to mess it up. And the social scene from my standpoint for what it just wasn't really what I was into, which I might, I know might sound weird. Um, but yet I still didn't really pay attention in class or go, you know, whereas now I'd be like really interested in it. (laughs) And, you know, I'm sure that's what you're talking about when you're saying you had a different kind of college experience. Yeah. I remember, uh, when I got to school, I didn't even know how like a major worked. I remember the first time I met with my counselor, they looked at my course list. Like, why are you taking all these classes? (laughs) I'm like, oh, they're interesting to me. Well, that's not how it works. You got to pick a major and take classes towards that major. And I was like. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I uh, I didn't go to many classes, and then I'd get in trouble because my parking tickets would be so high. Because when oh I did, when I did go, it'd be like last minute. I'd park right in That'd front of the That'd drive me up the wall now. <laughs> yeah. But back then, we have no money. You right. Know? 
shit. So I'd, I'd get the phone call every couple of months from my old man, like, your bill is so high because of all these parking tickets. What are you doing? <laughs> God, like, I'm going to I class, did. Dad. Oh, God. Oh, ugh. Uh, Tim, longtime listener and reader of InsideSTL.com. We haven't put anything new on InsideSTL.com to read in like five years. Uh, but I appreciate that. The latter goes without saying after you read my question. I'll preface it by admitting the subject comes off 100% as stalkerish. But it came to mind when our new neighbors moved in and the wife's name was Maggie. About 10 years ago, when InsideSTL.com was updated regularly with content, there was a guest writer named Maggie. Last name escapes me. I remember a bunch of us in the office would always read her articles slash blog posts religiously. From what I recall, she was a very talented writer, but what made her interesting was her open book lifestyle. I guess my question is, I always wondered what happened to her and her boyfriend slash husband. What was the backstory to her writing on the website? Understand if you don't want to discuss on your podcast, because 90% of the audience will have no idea who Maggie <laughs> was, but man, she was fascinating. Thanks. That's from Dan. Maggie on top. Maggie on top. Is, yeah. That's right. So uh, about once every four to six months, I feel like I get asked about her. <laughs> um, I never met her. I don't believe she lived in St. Louis. If my memory serves correctly, she lived in Florida. And um, the way that she came to work, I mean, we were just, you know, I look back on it and it's just, you know, whatever. I, I don't really get mad about it. And mad certainly wouldn't be the right emotion, like even regretful about it. Um, I guess I could and go, man, I, sh I had something with that and we should have raised a bunch of capital and now I know how to raise capital. And even if you don't raise capital going to get a, you know, loan from a bank or whatever and build something. But I, I don't think that, I don't think that the, the proper monetization would have been there to make it like some monster thing in 2005 when the business started. So what I did was, um, with inside STL.com, I wrote every day, Matt Seebeck, who founded it with me now, uh, St. Louis dogs, uh, chief experience officer. Oof, oof. Thank you. And um, we 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 posted. We were. It was really kind of the first podcast uh, it, for for our content. I'm not saying it was the first podcast, but I remember thinking, and I guess other people had to have been doing it because I wouldn't have come up with it on my own. But I remember thinking people are really into the morning grind. Now I started inside STL.com during the morning grind, not the morning after. Although it's all one timeline, one show. But that was the Martin Kilcoin, the cat version with me. And I started inside STL.com with Seebeck in August of 2005, August 15th, 2005. So it's 15 years old now. And I remember thinking, people love this show. I am going to record it and upload it to a website so people can listen to it if they aren't listening live. So the foresight on what now is commonplace was there then. The thing, and I was going to call it the morninggrind.com. So two things on that. First off, I didn't own the content. I didn't own the Morning Grind's content. I was an employee of uh, KFNS with a contract that didn't, you know, specify the content, uh, the ownership of the content. Uh, so secondarily, um, I didn't have the right to call it the morninggrind.com either. So I'm glad I didn't do that. But I, I, I lucked into that. That was, a, that, was, that was going to be a mistake. So those guys who owned that station were really not happy with me putting the content up there and me mentioning a site, not whatever it would have been, kfns.com, and promoting another site, which now, 15 years later, or even a few years later, I recognize. I get why, that, I get why they were upset. I understand that. 
Uh, could it have been handled differently? Yeah, I'm talking about the way that it was handled on their part, but I get it. That's a, that's a reasonable thing uh, because it's not my content. Now it is. Now Inside STL does own the morning after's content uh, and has, I guess, for the last 11 years, I think. So that is why when you're listening to the show, sometimes you'll hear drops from when we were at 920 or 1380 or 590, like the, the 590, the man and woman press conference. I owned Inside STL on that time. And that's why when he did that, which was to try to shove it up our asses, it was great because now we owned the content. So we always will own that press conference. So, you know, wherever we may roam, we own the content. That is the deal. That is that is specifically spelled out. And that is done intentionally because the archives of the show and the future content of the show is so important. And that's why I always want to own it. Um, so with that all said, um, Maggie was somebody who, when we started things up, we asked for writers and Maggie emailed me and said she would write about sex, but I never met Maggie one time in 2008. And I only know 2008 cause I can picture where I was where I was talking and I know where I was living in 2008. So it had to be 2008. I talked to her on the phone and all I can say is it's possible. Maggie was not a female. <laughs> I don't know that to be the case. And it's not casting aspersions because it was, she was using a pen name. I just, I'm just not sure there. And what I would also tell you is now 12 years removed from that phone call, whereas I assume nearly any female account that contacts me is <laughs> at least a 50% chance of being a burner for a guy who's a stalker of mine. Um, I, I would have gotten off the phone probably within two minutes. Like, oh, it's a fucking guy. You know, I should have talked to her a few years ago before she started writing. Um, so I, so anyway, saying that, obviously I have never met her still. Um, and, um, you know, and it, 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 I, I don't know. I just remember voice being like, oh, this might be somebody like, I don't know, like acting like they're a lady. I don't know, Pete. Do you remember Maggie's columns? Yeah, I read Maggie on top. I was yeah. a fan. Yeah, I mean, everybody was. Not Mark Lamping. I remember he was in one time when he was president of the Cardinals and somebody was saying, yeah, why didn't, yeah, why don't you advertise on uh, Tim's site? And he goes, you still have that girl writing for you? And I go, yeah, Maggie on top. He goes, yeah, there's your answer. And I go, oh, okay. Now, and it's amazing. Now people advertise with Barstool. They have the most popular podcast. Right. And it's a girl talking like graphically about sex and interviewing Lana. Ro it's so, I, and by the way, I think it's so great. Sophia's back. Sophia's back on Call Her Daddy? Yeah, not on Call Her Daddy, but she has her own podcast now. Oh, with Barstool? No, no, no. She's, like, doing it from her mom's closet. Oh, no. <laughs> That's got to be tough. Uh, yeah. I listened to, like, the first 20 minutes of the first episode, and I, I just couldn't keep going. Really? Was it bad? Yeah, and I liked Sophia better anyway, and it, I just kind of wanted to hear. I mean, Oh, you not, liked her better? Yeah, I was, I was more of a fan of her, but it wasn't that great. I, uh, I, th I think that, that the fact that, that, and I think how, when, when did this topic come up? I feel like I've had a conversation about this recently that I think it's healthy when anybody, men and women and all points in between and beyond whatever it is, uh, can talk openly about sex. I just, I, for the life of me, I don't understand why it's like, why I am like, well, we can hire Tim. He's got an audience and brings an advertising, but you know, he talks about sex, you know? Well, I mean. I just don't get for the life of me. It's like the most fucked up thing. Well, this guy has, you know, four DWIs 
<laughs> and it's just like, yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't, it's the strangest fucking thing. And I guess it's changing. I listen, do you listen to Joe Buck's podcast with Oliver Hudson? I've listened to it. I don't listen to it all the time. I think they have now gotten to the point that we kind of got to. I, I got to this before I probably even met you and had CMAR producing the Seamaster, where I'm like, it hits you a few months in when you're doing a guest-based podcast and you're not a big entity. And I mean, we're talking about Joe Buck here, so he would fall into the category of a big entity. And I'm saying not a big entity like a Stern, even though he's not a podcast, but like Rogan. It's a monster entity where they can have, they have full-time producers booking guests. I think they fly him down to Austin where Joe lives right. and, you know, fly him private probably or and pick or at the very least pick him up limo take him to joe's studio and then drive him back it's it could it's seamless even though they're traveling there right that so what i'm saying is with joe and oliver they came out of the gates just fucking blasting out a-list guests and then about two months in you kind of notice the wobbly <laughs> guest and you go uh-oh, now they're now they're feeling it. And yeah. then Joe kind of makes a reference to, well, if I can even make any money on this thing. And I'm like, oh, here we go. This is the thing. <laughs> and so, but I have to say, the reason I'm bringing it up is the last couple uh, sodes have been just Joe and Oliver bullshitting. And then Joe and his wife, Michelle, and Oliver and his wife just bullshitting. And I love it. Yeah, it's probably better. It really is. Now, the Eddie Vedder interview... That's the one I listened to. ...was so good. And there have been other ones that are so good. Don't get me wrong. But it's one of those... It's so tough to... Because you know, there's so many podcasts now, and these people get asked to be on these things, and you feel bad asking them. And it's just... It's a tough thing to do. So to get A-list people on is really tough consistently. And that really was something we were running into. To get topical people on who wouldn't be, quote-unquote, A-list... That, I think, is what Rogan has done in addition to A-list, what, one a, one a week or one every couple of weeks? Yeah, he's supposed to have Kanye on this week, but uh, young Jamie got COVID. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, is young Jamie, Jamie living in Austin now, too? Yeah. I think Joe bought him a house. Really? Yeah. God bless America. So uh, you want to buy me a house? I was about to say, but then I was like, <laughs> I'll be fucking hated on even more intensely if I say that. Uh, but... Um, yeah, I I love the fact. So I'm listening to Joe Buck. I mean, Oliver Oliver is a perfect foil for Joe because you know Joe, Joe is. I mean, he is loose and he's entertaining, <laughs> but Oliver will like poke it and make fun of it. And I mean, here's Joe Buck talking about having sex with his wife <laughs> and like openly doing it. I'm just like, this is. Gr I think this is great. I think it's so good that we're at this point. He's calling the World Series in the Super Bowl, and he's doing it. Now, here in St. Louis, I'm still pervert boy and handle with care because Tim will talk about sex, and he talks openly about watching porn and knows about porn stars. But here's the guy calling the Super Bowl in the World Series, and he's talking, and it's great. And I think that's I think it's wonderful because it's what people, I mean, people obviously enjoy doing it, and it's what almost everybody in the world is interested in in some capacity, but for some reason you can't talk about it. I realize that dogma is being blown up, and I think it's wonderful. So getting back to the Maggie thing, her success came because she was writing at the right time. If she were writing now, it would be like she's one of a million women writing or talking about sex. Right. So that's why it worked at that time. Um, but as far as where she is, I have no idea. I don't know if Maggie was a guy who I've had to block from the fan page with like 10 different <laughs> accounts. I, I don't know. 
Or Maggie could have really been a woman. I just never met her. At least I don't think. And then maybe somebody's going to email me and go, no, you did. And then you said, I, but for my, I just remember being in my house in 2008 and, and it was a long conversation and just being like, well, her voice is really not what I would think it would sound like. And it's almost like she's like having to effort, like how she's talking. I don't know. And I could be wrong on this, but people ask about Maggie. So there's the answer. Probably second or third time I've answered on the podcast. I just forget. And I'm, I'm like no sleep. So I'm out of my fucking mind today. Uh, all right. What do we got next here? Gangster Pete was watching Bill Maher. And he had a guest on that referenced, I saw this, this was, uh, I think, two Bill Mars ago. And he referenced a uh, guest on who referenced something to the effect that anorexia kills as many Americans as obesity. When he asked her for a source, she had nothing. <laughs> and it makes me feel like people literally just make shit up. My question is, when people do, in fact, cite a source, what method do you have in establishing credibility in that source? So many quote-unquote facts are backed by whogivesashit.com or some random site. I'm really struggling trusting anything that's not a major periodical, and even those are under scrutiny. Is there an obvious bullshit signal you look for? No name mentioned, please. I was watching this edition. Who do you, do you like Mar or do you like... Because you like one or the other. I like Mar better than than, than last week tonight with John yeah, Oliver. Okay, yeah. all right. And I like I like them both. Um, and it's kind of a case of I like I sometimes I find myself tuning out on John Oliver. My wife yeah. loves John Oliver. Sometimes I'm like, oh, we're gonna watch last week tonight. I could see me, you know, popping my pills and I'll be gone and she'll still be watching it, or I'm just gonna tune out. So with regard to Mar, I will watch this usually together on Friday nights, and um, that's how exciting things are now. And, but we look forward to it. Fuck, Friday Night's Pizza Night, Gangster Pete, you know that? Yeah. And, uh, and I remember this guest. And at first, I'm like, oh, she's going to be good. And it, it just a couple <laughs> times in, I'm going, and immediately I'm doing the Norm Stewart, like when he didn't like an official's call. I'm just, that's what I'm doing. At, that's what I'm doing at the TV. And Anna Marie's is like, what? And I go, she's got nothing. <laughs> she wants to come on and make a name for herself. And I can tell you right now, sister, she's got nothing. And boy, oh boy, did she expose herself. And so much so, now this is really getting into the weeds, but I bet one person listening to this will will be aware of this. When he went into new rules, and this is two episodes ago, so I don't recall her name. Gangster Pete, I'm asking for you to type up uh, Bill Maher. What date would it have been? The ninth, perhaps? Real time with Bill Maher. Yeah, it would have been the ninth. Who his guest was on the panel. And then I'll give you the name. They didn't even cut to her for a reaction shot during new rules. That's one of the things that they do. You know, they cut the panel laughing, kind of back up that what he's doing is good entertainment. They, I think he got, I think he had enough. It was bad. Now that's her ability as a panelist. She was bad. What this, do you know? Have Kelly the, Goff. I believe that's who it was. Calmness for the daily beast. Yes. I believe that's, uh, uh, who it was, but she is the one who, he was saying, and this has been one of his things and it was unpopular. And James Corden did a thing like where he clapped back at Bill Maher when Bill Maher pointed out obesity, you know? And of course people rallied around James Corden, you know, of course I would love to be thinner, but what Maher's perspective is, and I remember talking about this, maybe this is one of the reasons why I became hate guy during the early days of COVID, uh, which some people still, I guess are holding on to, but what, he was pointing out and what was being pointed out then is that America, and this is back in March before it got to where it is now is going to be more susceptible to COVID because it affects people who are morbidly obese 
and who smoke in a harsher way than those who are thinner and don't smoke. And the U.S. has a higher percentage of people of both. And so, therefore, the U.S. is going to be more susceptible. But saying that is, in some places, deemed fat-shaming. And that was what he was trying to get across. And then Kelly Goff, is that uh, yeah. who you said her name was, Pete? She's the only woman on the show. Okay. Me. She said, she goes, well, I mean, you got to be careful there because... And she, and I guess, it was almost like she was kind of like a dig me because she's thin. Like, you know, I mean, as a thin woman, I, I mean, I don't know how many times you do not want to talk about. And, and, and he goes, Anna, and she said, anorexia kills as many Americans as obesity. And he, go, and he stopped her and he goes, where did you get that? You know? And I think that's what this emailer is, is asking about that. She goes, and then I, I don't know if she provided a source or she just had, like this emailer said, she had nothing. And it's like, yeah, people can just spitball. And because oftentimes these things are heated, you just grasp and then hope somebody doesn't call you on it. So when I, it's usually when I'm writing something, and these days the only place I really write is on the TMA fan page. What do you got, Gangster Peter? You digging I something got, up? Yeah, I got 10,200 uh, anorexia deaths and 300,000 <laughs> obesity yeah, I mean, it's not even, it's just like you got to be, you got to be even, and I'm surprised it's only 300,000, but I, I guess, I don't know. I don't know even of obesity, what it causes. Either way, the premise being, if I do write something that I know is going to have some pushback because it has, you know, that which is considered divisive political opinion, I, want, I always want to source it. The issue is, if your source is considered one of those, and I don't even know what source would be considered apolitical at this point, you know? And that's a tough, that's, that's a tough spot. So then somebody can shit on it. So then what winds up happening is I just don't even share the stuff. I just keep it to myself and try to become as informed as possible and enjoy it. Speaking to what you were talking about, Pete, with going to school, I enjoy reading this stuff. I was watching, what the fuck was I watching or why, why? Oh, last night we got back from Las Vegas. We fly back and you know, it's always rough when you, especially this time of year, it's cloudy and rainy in St. Louis and we know what we got the next six months. And it's 85 and sunny in Las Vegas. We fly back to this and Anna Marie's naturally, you know, not in the greatest state of mind because here's this and we know this is what we got for a while. And, and then I turn on and I always watch the news and she goes, this is really depressing. Why do we even watch this? I said, well, I like to be informed, but I'm not watching take your of cable news. I'm watching actual news. That's where, that's where I go to get the news. Uh, in addition to reading. And my three go-tos are the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, uh, and the Washington Post. And then locally, I read stltoday.com. Now, I've heard Doug say he refuses to read stltoday.com because he considers it to be ridiculously liberal. And I'm sure some people are going, good for Doug. He's right. And I'm sure some people are going, oh, my God, Doug, what is he doing? But that's that's what he says. And I'm sure because I know that's there, I want to include that in the conversation. I realize many would say, of course, the New York Times is as liberal as it gets. So I tried to balance it by reading the Wall Street Journal. If you are getting your news from the cable news sites, I don't care which one it is, you are consuming garbage. It's an absolute. <laughs> yep. It's an absolute. It's an absolute. I don't throw around absolutes often. It's an absolute. It's an absolute. It is It is filtered through the lens of preaching to the choir, serving the bubble what the bubble wants. I don't care which one it is. It does not matter. It does not matter. I could agree with it. I could disagree. It doesn't matter. I know it is constructed for the purpose of uh, feeding the bubble. 
And it's the little uh, game we were playing here, a couple of podcasts, Gangster Pete. What is the CNN.com headline right now, and what is the FoxNews.com headline right, right now? I will play it with you at this exact moment. <laughs> oh, okay. We got the debates. They're trying to get legislation for a stimulus package through. What would the headlines be at this moment? Trump won after the debate commission. Jack Danforth uh, is going to be on TMA tomorrow because he wrote a response in the Washington Post this morning. Notice he went after Hawley a little bit, by the way. Um, Notice that because that was his guy. That was his protege. And he called attention to him. Uh, That was a... That was a moment. That was a moment that only a few people probably are aware of, but that was a moment. And I know that was a moment. Um, and I'll, and I, here's what will happen, by the way, Pete. I'll ask him about it on TMA and the way he will handle it. He will deflect it because that is not the game he will play. <laughs> that is that, But that's how he'll handle it. If he likes somebody, he will speak um, with great volume about it. If he does not, he will just bat it away. That is your tell on him. So with that said, uh, my guess on the CNN headline Pelosi optimistic for a stimulus package. I don't think you're going to get this one. No, really? All right, go ahead. Oxycontin maker to plead guilty to charges related to opioid crisis. Okay. And then the real reason Trump walked out of that 60 minutes interview. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's our Fox News headline? Vaccine skeptics. Blue state governors question safety of there COVID shots. There you go. That's, 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 a nice, that's a nice one. Oh, God. Oh, it gives me no hope. I, I, this is, this is one of those moments in this podcast where I just, I, it's better if I don't play this game. Vaccines, I, mean, I just went to it to look at it. And the Pope endorses same sex. I union. saw, I did see that, but how was, how, how was the headline written? Cause I, I, I'm sure the headline wrote, and what in the hell is going on now? The, they got pop-up videos blocking the site. Vaccine skeptics, blue state governors question safety of course. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And you just feed this fucking garbage into the bubble, you know? <laughs> the Fox News says he didn't walk out. CNN says the real reason he did walk out. Of course. And what is the, what was the, how's the, how are they handling the headline of the Pope's civil union thing? I would well, imagine. On CNN, it just says Pope endorses same sex civil unions. Okay. And then I'm not seeing it on Fox. News. <laughs> just not even acknowledging it took place. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty substantial. Oh, thing. It's, it's way down there. Is it, is it, Pope it, Francis support law for same-sex civil unions, a new documentary, They Are Children of God. Yeah, buried. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the other thing. Where you place news, there. where you place news conveys subliminally to the viewer or the reader its importance. Um, That's a standard play. That is, it's, it's as standard as a Friday afternoon news dump and if the New York Times has a big scoop on Trump, they don't put it out on Fridays. They usually put it out on Sundays, the Sunday readership, and then the Sunday morning talk shows, and then they own the, the, the day on 24-hour cable news for Monday. That's the game. This is not a coincidence. So uh, there it is. We've got it. Uh, how would the CNN thing be skewed as anti-Trump or pro-liberal? on the uh, Oxycontin maker to plead guilty to charges related to opioid crisis. Um, but they do have Pope endorsed the same sex civil unions at the very top of the page. And the real reason Trump walked out of that 60 minutes interview. No, 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 there it is. It's, it's yeah. So, so to answer the question of the email, 
I don't I don't have an answer as to what source is considered um, unbiased. Somebody's going to poke a hole in it no matter what. You can't win. I guess what I would say is double check it. Uh, try to get it corroborated with another site. That would be my. But yeah, but when she busted out the anorexia kills many people's obesity, this obesity thing, I don't know. It's it's such a it's 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 so it's so um, counter progressive because it's deemed mean spirited, even though it's pro health. So it's a real paradox for the left. Meanwhile, those on the right view it as a, you know, it's my body issue. And Michelle Obama tried to, you know, gently (laughs) change school meals. It was viewed as tyranny. I mean, I recommend the Bill Burr bit on this obesity thing from Walk Your Way Out in 2017. It's one he did in Nashville. Uh, It's hilarious. Is that right? If you just Google Bill Bill Burr obesity. I'm going to have to watch this. It's. Yeah. Bill Burr on quesadillas? Is that what you said? No, on obesity. Oh, <laughs> I thought he got specific. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he says everything the way I feel. Well, how <laughs> I don't know how you feel. I have no idea. Well, he's like, you just put a salad in there, basically, you know? It's like, you you ate yourself here. It's I mean, there's like, there's so many, but, and I have to say, in fairness to Bill Maher, because I feel like he leaves this out oftentimes, it's not a case, because what you can get yourself into is, is just me. Oh, we're going to make fun of people and it's just laziness and that's inaccurate. That's not, not only is it not fair from a quote unquote making fun of standpoint, it's not accurate, which I think is way more important than, than feelings being hurt. Because I still say the fact that height jokes are okay is, is it's totally counterintuitive. Like it, you can make a case that somebody who's obese can do something about it. Pete, you and I are just kind of fucked, you know? <laughs> And it does impact people's perceptions of people. It's a real thing. But, I mean, what am I going to fucking do about it? There's nothing I can do about it outside of my lips. The Bill Burr bit is hilarious, but it's also accurate. That's why I, I think people should listen to All right. it. And I'm going to type it it's so funny. I make sure I don't forget it. Uh, so I will watch this and look forward to and it. And he, he's on the left politically, and it's hilarious. Bill Burr, five-year-olds have no excuse for being fat. Is that the one? Uh, no, it's in the Walk Your Way Out special All right. from 2017. Okay, got it. All right. Um, so with regards to, but what I was about to say is, you know, if you, if you don't have a lot of money or you are a, like, you know, this is something I said to my wife, like two months into our son's life, I said, and it wasn't, it's just me and her sitting in our house. I said, how th- we know now how much work this is. How would somebody who is a single mother, single parent, doesn't have to be single mother, but you know, if you're running for office, you always say single mother, uh, with multiple children who has to work at least one job, if not two, how could they possibly raise children? I know people say, well, they shouldn't have children. I'll jump on that. Okay, but they did. So that's where we are. And I realize we can talk about preventative measures going forward, but here we are at this moment. So what do we do? And then there, so there isn't a lot of money and McDonald's is the quick and inexpensive way to take care of it. And the cycle continues. Bill talks about McDonald's. Does he? Yeah. It's just one of those things. I, I, and it need, and it, it, cause it needs to be discussed, but I don't know how you can discuss it without it coming off as being mean spirited. Like the thing that you can get shamed for the most is for fat shaming. He talks about that. And it's, but it's a health issue. Right. So, uh, 
I think I think Bill Maher in that rant that James Corden responded to was talking about cigarette smoking. I think that was like, you know, we didn't, we shamed people into it. And I'm not pro-shaming, I'm pro-data. Right. So you're, 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 you're chomping at the bit for me to watch this Bill Burr thing, I can tell. It's great. I'm looking forward to it. I had, I my, dad, I had my dad watch it. He's, Your dad's he, a lithe gentleman. He loved it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so the Bill Maher segment that you're talking about, I remember it, and I, I remember just being like, this is a bad guest. She will never be on that show again. Um, and it was, and, and, and like I said, they didn't even cut away to her during new rules, which they do with all the panelists. And I think that's because they could tell it wasn't going well. And yeah, just making up stats that anorexia kills many people's obesity. And that is <laughs> fucking kidding me. Not what a close. stupid thing to just run out there. And then not be able to back it up. Hey, uh, let me tell you about Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. He's great people. And in a year like 2020, where I would imagine, I don't even, I mean, God bless you if your income has not been impacted, uh, where damn near everybody's income has been impacted, you start wrapping up the year as we approach the, the, the final week of, uh, of October, and you want to make sure you're organized. Well, that's what Mark Hanna does for you. He's with Evergreen Wealth Strategies, and then he puts you on a plan. And uh, you can find him at evergreenstl.com. And he's he helps everyday people every day. He's a really good guy. And if you give him a call, I'm telling you, you're going to be happy that you did. 314-889-0503. 314-889-0503. Or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna. Evergreen Wealth Strategies is his name, and his company, Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. We are very happy to have Munganast on board here at the Tim McKernan Show. Munganast just signed up to be a sponsor of the Ryan Kelly Morning After, our 7 o'clock hour, and also the Tim McKernan Show podcast. I just got my car from Munganast, as a matter of fact. St. Louis Acura, where precision meets performance, conveniently located a half mile west of 270 at the corner of Manchester and Mason, St. Louis Acura, come see why we are better than ever. Or visit the Alton Toyota store to see why the new lineup is turning heads located at 850 East Homer Adams Parkway in Alton, Illinois. It is Munganess, and they also have a large selection of over 200 pre-owned cars. Anything and everything you could want, it is Munganess. And Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. Seth Goldcamp and his family taking care of St. Louisans. Uh, they're online at designairservice.com. Design Air Heating and Cooling, the official HVAC provider of the Ryan Kelly Morning After and the Tim McKernan Show. And right now, teachers, nurses, doctors, law enforcement, and firefighters get a free furnace tune-up to make sure your heating system is operating safely this winter. It's Design Air Heating and Cooling. No purchase necessary. Just a thank you to those on the front lines in 2020. Tim, locally, the Cardinal front office is looked at negatively due to a handful of acquisitions, contracts, and trades that haven't panned out over the past five years or so. I travel quite a bit for work, and I often hear how it must be nice to have such a good organization that is always in the playoff mix. Do you think all the local negativity is greater than it should be, especially when comparing St. Louis to other Major League Baseball organizations? Thank you. That comes from Katessi Chattel. They have <laughs> Katessi Chattel writing in. I feel like that was framed. That email was framed. Now, I could be wrong on that. Here's my tell. Uh, Locally, the Cardinal front office is looked at negatively due to a handful of acquisitions. It's the use of the word handful. It has been larger than a handful lately. Way larger than a handful. Way larger than a handful. Um, And, I mean, obviously, Arazarena is the one who is certainly and justifiably so being talked about because of 
uh, what he did in the ALCS for the Rays. And by the time people listen to this, who knows, maybe what he does in the World Series for them. Um, I did not like that in the moment. There are some things that I liked in the moment that didn't work out. There are some things that I didn't like in the moment that, that did work out, whatever. That one I didn't like in the moment, and I thought it was being done because of his Instagram feed uh, as Schilt was celebrating the Cardinals uh, beating the Braves last year. I believe that. Um, go ahead, Gangster Peter. I agree that that's the reason why, and I yeah. hate that that's the reason why. I mean, I just when it, when it happened, it, it, I, I just was like, that's it. He's going to be gone. And it's such an out-of-touch response because, I mean, he's a young guy, and that's that's kind of what they do now. And they were so high on him, too. And to do that, it's just it's so, it's so, it's so bad. So you have Luke Voigt. Uh, Marcelo Zuna. Now, with Ozuna, Ozuna would be a case of I was all for them parting ways with him. But you thought they were going to replace but, him. But you're exactly right, Pete. Thank you. I was about to say, but I was under the impression they were going to replace him with somebody better. They didn't replace him with somebody at all. <laughs> and that was my moment. That was my moment. Now, there are a lot of people... The issue has been, this is the disconnect with me and some in the audience, and that is that the Cardinals don't spend money because I think it's an easy talking point. And the issue is the Cardinals have spent money and they've spent it poorly, but it's not, it's, it's, it's almost like a political populist rallying cry. And so I can't get on board with something that's not true. I can get on board with a criticism, but, I'm not, but just because I'm not going to say something that I don't believe doesn't mean I'm soft on the Cardinals. Because the evidence is to the contrary. They do spend money, and they spend it poorly. The issue is talent evaluation, and that is something I have said for a while. Don't get me wrong. In 2020, I've been wrong as fuck. But on this, I've been saying this for a while, and now it's even even worse. But this is pre-Randy Rosarena. Um, and a lot of the issue is they've gotten nothing in return for these moves. Or who they've given money to. I did not like Dexter Fowler the morning after that tr that acquisition in December of 16. I remember saying that. I was kind of the bad guy. It was getting like an 85% approval rating. I remember that. You do remember that? Oh, yeah. Wow. Look at you. You weren't even producing the show at the time. Well, I was a listener. God bless. Thank you. Because uh, sometimes you say these things and people are like, no, you weren't. But I mean, I really... Oh, no. I, I, I remember because... It stood out because everybody else was all for it pretty much. God bless. Yeah. I, but I mean, it, it's just, it was one of those, I didn't like the number of years. I thought he was an average player. It doesn't mean I dislike him personally, but I thought he was an average player. And I thought similar to the Tino Martinez contract, which was an overreaction to Mark McGuire re retiring via fax. Uh, Dexter Fowler was an overreaction to the Cardinals not getting Adam Eaton, who I think they thought they were going to get for sure. And they saw the price the Nationals had to pay in order to get him as far as prospects, and they thought, oh, my God, we can't be left without a leadoff hitting center fielder. We got to go get him. And I don't think that was the plan going into the offseason at all. And then Fowler's like, I don't really want to come to St. Louis. <laughs> and so then they had to give him an extra year to get him here. Disaster. The, Matt, the, 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 one that, the one that I cannot, for the life of me, understand, if I'm going to do 30 for 30s on St. Louis things, Petrangelo and whatever happened with the negotiations there, because something, I still, and maybe nothing happened. I don't know. Something happened there. I just, I just believe something happened. I don't know it. I just really think something, something not business related, I think happened there. I don't have any proof. Nobody's told me that. I just feel like the hand doesn't add up. So if this were a poker hand, I would call. Matt Carpenter and the Cardinals picking up the extension actually bothers me more than a Rosarino. So dumb. That, Ugh. and I know, and you go, how can that bother you more than a Rosarino? Look what he's doing. I understand that. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying what I personally because it was just, when they sent out the email that that's what it was, I remember going, what in the world are you doing? Why? What is what is going on here? 
I, and I still don't know. And I feel like there has to be something there. I, I actually hope there's something there that we don't know, because otherwise it would make such little sense that it would concern me. But at this point, there are so many of these. It's a problem. Now, the emailer, Katessi Chattel, points out that when you travel around the country, it's like when I'm just I just got back from Vegas yesterday. Where are you from? I'm playing golf with people. St. Louis. What do they think of? They think of uh, the Cardinals. That's, I mean, it's like if you said you're from Green Bay, what are you going to, people are going to say, they're talking about the Packers, same kind of deal. Uh, and that's what I, that's what, you know, wind up talking about. And, uh, and the perception certain, and it should be, by the way, because the Cardinals have had a competitive season every year since 2000, even non-playoff years, even the year where they didn't finish above 500. They were in the mix in September. I, that's, that's real. But, but you also have to, in that, two things can be true. That, for 20-plus seasons, can be true. And it is true. It's a fact. I, there's, not, there's nothing, you, I mean, even if you're the biggest Cardinal critic, you can't dispute that they have been in the mix for a playoff spot every September dating back to 2000. Even in the shittiest year, I think record-wise, was 2007. When they lost Chris Carpenter on opening night after defending the World Series against the Mets, defending the World Championship, um, and Sunday Night Baseball against the Mets. Every year. But this can also be true. The formula that led them to that perennial success is off now. And the last two Cardinal playoff teams, 2020 and 2019, 2020 a byproduct of the format, 2019 a run good. It just wasn't a good team. And of all of those Cardinal playoff teams, and I could probably rattle off uh, much of the roster on every one of them just because I'm fucking bizarre in the head, I would say the 2019 one, even though it went to the NLCS, unlike, say, 2001 or 2009, uh, was couldn't hold a candle to the 2001 or 2019. And I realize most people you know, aren't thinking of the rosters of the 2001 and 2009 team. The 2001 team was good enough to win the World Series because of pitching. They had uh, Woody Williams, who was just on fire, and Matt Morris, who was a Cy Young candidate, and Daryl Kyle was your third starter. And Bud Smith, who had thrown a no-hitter a month earlier, uh, was your fourth starter. Uh, the issue there, they didn't have a, a closer, and the offense was just getting carved up by Schilling and Johnson. But they still took the Diamondbacks to the bottom of the ninth, the, the game five of best of five, the team that won and beat the Yankees. So it tells you a lot. In 2009, Matt Holiday drops a fly ball. Otherwise, they're 1-1 with the Dodgers heading back to St. Louis. So um, those teams were in. You had Adam Wainwright and, and Chris Carpenter both finishing in the top three in the Cy Young voting. Only time they were healthy together uh, for a full season, despite the fact they spent all these years as Cardinals. 2019, they backed into it. So what happens is, is then some who just are huge Cardinal fans and don't like the criticism will say, well, they went to the NLCS, and that is true. But the way it is trending, I'll say I, the issue is I, you know, I just read an interview with Manfred from yesterday. They might have these expanded playoffs, and so getting to the playoffs may mean a whole lot different thing than it did, you know, for the first two decades of this century. Um, but I, looking at what the Cardinals have right now, knowing that free agency is, I can't imagine anyway, going to look like anything we have seen in our lifetimes, anyway, Pete. Um, because of the circumstance of revenue being down with the gate attendance, and I think that cost them 40%, if I'm not mistaken, or 40% of the annual revenue is gate. Um, and then uh, the CBA being up after 2021. I mean, I just would expect such little movement 
uh, and then a flood of free agents on top of it because guys are going to get non-tendered, that this is going to be bizarre and people are going to be going batshit about it. I don't know if it'll get a lot of attention because you'll have the pandemic and the election going on and it might be on the back pages. But uh, so my premise is this. The Cardinals are not a great team as it is. There aren't a lot of solutions in the minor leagues that are on the threshold of helping. And they have a lot of question marks. And so I would tell you this on October 21st, 2020, it would really surprise me if the Cardinals were one of the final four teams in the National League next year. That's what I would tell you. So if there's like 20 teams in the playoffs next year, and Manfred certainly sounds like he's pro-expansion of the playoffs, uh, maybe not to the level that it was this year, I would be surprised if the Cardinals are in the LDS next year. That's what I would tell you. I just... And I guess it can happen. And they also have a bad spot that, that because they have, they have to acquire to fix this. But meanwhile, they have a, they have a chasm with the fan base as it is. And then you have two beloved Cardinals who want to play more. And you're now going to have to allocate dollars to them, or you're going to have to watch them play for other teams. And so you got that situation in addition to having to fix damn near everybody in the outfield. I mean, I realize Carlson's going to be one of them, so you're not fixing that. But, I mean, it's it, they're just so, I, I look at it as so far away. And it, I and I haven't thought that in a while, but that's how I that's how I look at it. That's I don't part of the reason it's hard to get into it this year, too, because yeah, you just felt like they're so good. far away. Yeah, it's clearly not very good. And listen, I'm sitting there watching them. They're up, I think, 6-2 to two on the Padres. And I'm trying, and I did live bet it, and then it didn't go through. But it was, I think the Padres were plus 600. It's like the Padres are not going to go that quietly into the night, and the Cardinal bullpen can't get these final 12 outs. There's no way. Um, that was just for the game, much less the series. And they would have been carved up by the Dodgers. And I'm pulling for them, but I'm just thinking, God, this is just, I'm watching a team that last year, they were not in the same class as the Braves, but they really should have won four of those five games. At least you can make a case they should have. Uh, and I think you can make a case the Braves should have won three of the five games. I'm sure they feel that way after blowing game four in St. Louis. With that all said, I just, I don't see it. And th- this is this this is the first time that I think you could have the organization looking at a change if next year does not go well. It will not come this offseason. I'm sure some people, what about now? It's just not the way it's going to work. You're coming off an NLCS last year. Uh and losing to the world champions, albeit didn't look like you belonged in the same field with them. And then a playoff appearance in a year where if people are losing their jobs, it, it'd be very tough to justify unless it was an extreme situation. I know the Marlins are making changes all over the place. It was a good year for them, but that's the Marlins. Um, so I just don't expect any changes with the Cardinals. If next year is a bad year, I think you will find that for the first time, and I always make the analogy with the Steelers, how the Roonies don't like to make changes there. The DeWitts don't like to make changes here. You will see a change. I really do think that. Because um, it is it is what has happened, whether it be with the Cardinal roster or players leaving the Cardinal roster and then going to have success. It speaks to the talent evaluation, also speaks to the approach at the major league level that they are not getting the proper approach. And then they go somewhere else where their talent is maximized. It's, it's, it is a major concern. So... I think the both things can be true. It's not a it's not a cop out because I feel both things. I think the because the Cardinals would get killed back like in 04. They don't spend money, you know. Fire La Russa. So this stuff's going to go on in a market that's baseball obsessed. Um. So I I I think that that yes, the market is tougher. The fan base is tougher on the Cardinals because there is a perception 
that they don't spend money. So then it becomes, it becomes personal. It's like, you're not thanking us for being these great fans and coming out in huge numbers, but it's a factually inaccurate statement. They do spend money. The problem is they spend it really poorly and they have spent it really poorly and or traded away players and then gotten very little in return while they watch those players go and thrive. That's a talent evaluation issue. All while saying the Cardinals have been from, I mean, who would be a better franchise over the last two decades? I realize you go, well, what about the Red Sox? But they also had some really shitty years. The Cardinals have been perennial and they have a couple of uh, world championships. So, you know, and what, what a total of four pennants, right? Oh, four, oh, six, 11 and 13. Am I missing anything there? You're the years guy. Yeah, no, it's not I, fair I to defer to you. So, but, but so that my premises, and they're there. I mean, they're they're there. I think the criticism is good. I mean, the fans and the front office themselves, they have high expectations. So when those high expectations aren't met, you deserve the criticism. Yeah. But but it's one thing if high expectations aren't met. Because that was what Strauss was always talking about. He goes, he, I think he was thinking about writing a book. And uh, like how if David Freeze... Not even no, it was David Freeze because that takes it to the World Series. How if the Cardinals don't have that run in September of eleven, how different the organization looks? Implying, I think, that John Mazalak was going to lose his job. That's what I think that was implying. Uh, and you would, and, and of course, Larusa was retiring either way. So you had that. So you probably had Larusa, Duncan, and Mazalak all needing to be replaced, and that and, and Pujols. So you had that, and I think that was his premise. Right. But he didn't want to say those things because, of course, he's covering, at the time, the GM who had just won the World Series <laughs> yeah. and to say that he was on the verge of getting whacked. Uh, but that's what I think it was because if you look at it, the Cardinals hadn't won a playoff game since Adam Wainwright struck out Brandon Inge. They had been to the playoffs, but they lost those three against the Dodgers. Right. And otherwise, 07 was, I think, no, 08 was Mazalek's first year. I think 07 was Jockney's last year. But oh eight, nine, ten, and eleven, you know, that's four years. A lot of organizations don't wait that long anymore. That would have been it. So I think that was the premise. Plus you would have Larusa, Duncan, and Pujols gone as well, and how transformative that that wound up that that month meant for the organization because it set up eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, and they still were good in sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. They just weren't great. And then they get to the NLCS in in nineteen. Uh, hey Tim. I'm your new self-appointed threesome app correspondent, effective uh, July 2020, when my wife and I started banging lasses. How did I just get to this? Wow. I was like, you kind of buried the lead. Yeah. Well, this is bad work on my part. When my wife and I started banging lasses uh, that we found on apps. Wow. We've tried a few apps, and the best we could, best we have used is 3Fun, the number 3, F-U-N, in the STL area, by far, little tip, always check interest in couples and you might find a female in an open relationship and play alone. We like to call this chumming the waters. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. I'd like the shirt chumming, chumming the, waters the waters with a uh, husband and a wife in a boat, <laughs> a little fishing pole out there. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks. Uh, anonymous name. I have not heard of 3Fun. Have you heard of 3Fun? No, I have. I'm not. I'm. I remember uh, giving the person would be weird, but um, I guess was complimentary. Probably more of my wife's appearance than mine. But uh, a girl saying, "You guys seriously? You could have like you know 
you should buy on a threesome app. Like, what a couple you I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm all for it. It's not going to happen, but thank you for the suggestion. Uh, and uh, I'm like, are there such a thing? And she goes, oh, yeah, there's threesome apps. And I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't know this. So here we go. Three fun app. And it's in the St. Louis area. Wow. Gangster Pete. Well, I want to hear some stories then from this gentleman uh, who signed off as Tim's third cousin. We got another QFTA next week, Tim's third cousin. Yeah, send, send in some, like, what, what, like, how does it work? Like, do you find them on the app and then do they come over? Do you go hotel? Do you go to their place? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a different deal. So if you're just, if you're a single guy and you have a match on Tinder, Bumble, I guess those are the two most standard. I, I, this is when I sound like just somebody who's just so detached from the world. Yeah. And then there's Hinge, which is better yeah. in bigger cities. Okay. Oh, is that right? Yeah. There's just not much on there here. Is that right? What, what, what's the difference between Hinge and Tinder? Well, Bumble? Hinge, as soon as you like, like if I like a picture on Hinge, it sends them a message right away. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, you don't have to match. Like on Tinder uh, and Bumble, you have to match. Bumble, the girl initiates the conversation right. and then tender once you match you both can talk okay um i imagine you, you what do you do you pick a spot and you meet out at a spot or do people pick people up like at a house anymore i have no fucking clue <laughs> i mean i feel like i'm like this is like leave it to beaver I, i'm so detached it just depends uh i've known people to pick people up at houses yeah i've known that to go horribly wrong before I really think, i think that'll probably be a, a deeb's letter in the future <laughs> <laughs> he's got a great story about that <laughs> Deeb's lemon. Get right in Deeb's. <laughs> uh, yeah, like so for the threesome, like how would that how would that work? Like I guess the girl comes over. Well, I guess I, my guess is that you would match and then you negotiate all that. Yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm so I'm asking Tim's third cousin, yeah. who for the record is now my at least as far <laughs> as I know, I don't even know who my third fucking cousin would be. So it might be. Yeah, it's like it's awkward, but uh, I'm very uh, I'm very curious how this all how this all plays out. And I'm surprised it's out there, but I'm glad to hear that it's out there. All right, I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, send more in. Tim's third cousin, please elaborate. Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Uh, thank you to all of our sponsors for making it possible. The Great Gangster Pete for participating in the fun games every week. Uh, it's questions from the audience on the Tim McKernan Show. We have two podcasts a week for you. Questions from the audience and the Pick 6 podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Spread the word. Give it positive reviews. And support our sponsors, Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert, Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, Jim Rogers, Restoration One of Central St. Louis, uh, and also uh, the great Jamie Burkhardt at Munganast. And did I leave anybody out? I, was, I do it from memory, and then I feel badly because we have so many, and then I feel like I might have left somebody out, and that's a bad play. Munganast, home loan expert, Design Air Heating and Cooling, Restoration one, James Carlton. That's who I left out. And then it makes it feel like I'm not thinking about James Carlton. James Carlton's the original sponsor. I'm in Ryan Kelly. James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agency at Webster Groves, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. Any of these texting me, too, so that's really bad. Uh, all right. Thank you to Gangster Pete. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to our sponsors. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of Questions from the Audience on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music, and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.